to the Hylian. I was so close to saying welcome back to the Hylian, but that is presumptuous of me, and you have my formal apology. I am Seth, and I am very grateful for your attention today, and I am here with Yazan SM. Yazan, welcome to the Hylian. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to it's be here. It's a pleasure here. to have you. Oh, uh, it's the Hylian podcast, so I mentioned it to you when we met, but there is another show called The Hylian, which they get my full recommendation, uh, just so everyone is a lis- who's listening understands. They're the Hylian Gamecast. This is the Hylian Podcast. Uh, check them both out. Today's episode is called First Breath, because what we have today is a fellow who is new to the Zelda series, which is exciting because uh, a lot of the people who I've liaisoned with, um, people who have had uh, guests on the show, future guests, obviously, um, we're all, we've all been fans of Zelda newbies. for some time. We've all been newbies at one point. Mm-hmm. I, I was a newbie during the Nintendo 64 reign. Um, but it, it it didn't occur to me that Breath of the Wild is going to be pulling in a lot of new fans. And I don't think that the some of the other games in the series had that opportunity. I don't think Skyward Sword was going to pull people in the way Breath of the Wild did. I don't think Twilight Princess Twilight Princess was for the fans. Mm-hmm. So uh, first, I, I want to start with uh, how we met, because I think these are always interesting. Where we are right now is at a, well, I'm not, I'm not going to say the location, but it's a business known for hosting other businesses. And you came by with your business, yep. and I was here, because it's my business to be here, because I, I work here. And uh, we started uh, chatting about um, our respective businesses, and then you noticed the tattoo on my left hand. Mm-hmm. And that ha- was my strategy, by the way. Once I realized I was going to make this podcast, I said, Score. this tattoo is going to nail me my guests. And I've got another one waiting in that i got to reach out to once this one is all uh, cleaned up and ready to go. <laughs> so... The question that I ask everybody when it's their first time on the show is, how did you get into the series? Uh, we're here today because we're going to hear from someone who just got into the series. So how did you bite the bullet? I mean, I think pr- pretty typically the first time I saw Breath of the Wild on the trailer for the Nintendo Switch, I was, you know, just shocked and oh my god and couldn't because I got the Switch, the GameCube, but I never really played Zelda much besides uh, Super Smash Brothers. So when I saw the trailer for it and the hype just building, it just, as, as soon as I bought the Switch, I bought uh, Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild. And I was totally focused on Breath of the Wild. I played some of the Mario, but Mario was just like a nice little dream or, you know, fun little adventure compared to Breath of the Wild, which was just its own universe. And kind of going back to why you, uh, what you said about Breath of the Wild really gaining a lot of new fans, I think that also has to do with the way it's presented. It's got a little bit of a story and just throws you into the wild. And when you're thrown into the wild and you really have no direction but whatever you decide, because there are those kind of four corners of whatever the beasts, and you can just choose to go anywhere, jump anywhere, do anything, and it's a little difficult, so I got addicted. By the way, jumping is a very rare skill that's one of my questions so i remember because of course i decided to just hold on and not get the switch as soon as it came out because i was also like in between jobs and i'm like i'm not gonna spend this money while i'm just like trying to find a job be a little bit of a bit of an adult but when i did get it i've done so much research on reddit and seen so many spoilers unfortunately but kind of glad I did because it seems there's things I'm still discovering today like I was just playing earlier today just like oh I've never been in this area so yeah I don't know if I answered your question but jumping it, it, I mean the, the the short and long of it is what this particular Zelda was building a lot of hype mm-hmm. and I think a lot of the the source of that hype had to have been from the fans because um, how do I say this we've put up with a lot of put up wow that's We've enabled, wow, even that has a negative connotations. Nintendo has taken a lot of uh, creative risks with the Zelda series. Mm-hmm. And it's not always easy to be a representative of those risks. Um, I just re- remember um, with The Wind Waker, mm-hmm. because the art style was such a drastic change, which mm-hmm. we've uh, touched on in the uh, art of Zelda episode, artwork of Zelda episode, 
going to school the next day and having to be the face of that because everybody knows me as a Zelda fan, that wasn't so easy. So it's hard to generate hype. I can put up a defense. I can explain yeah. to people what their design logic was, but it doesn't really mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, get them eager to buy a system they don't have for a game they don't think is, uh, is made for them anyways. So Breath of the Wild, on the other hand, I saw that. I was starting to talk about it with other people. Yeah. Because, hey guys, have you checked this? Have you checked this out? Look what they're doing. And the art style wasn't the most mature it's ever been, but mm. it was mature enough. Mm. And it had the, uh, and it still had that Zelda aesthetic twist to it, um, which to me, I, I didn't really think started until Skyward Sword with the mm. uh, watercolor motif. Let me ask a question. Please do. The, uh, I forget what you call them, like the, the basically like the goo monsters in Breath of the Wild. Not the goo the monsters. Choose. Well, there's, 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 because there's monsters that are literally goo. Yeah, I'm talking about like the slime that's all over like the purple, dark purple and stuff. Oh, okay. Was that introduced earlier? Because for that one, I first thought I was like, oh, that's pretty nasty. Like that kind of, you know, makes me cringe a little. Yeah, like... the last time I saw that in a Nintendo game, let alone a Zelda game, was Mario Sunshine. Where he had to go around and clean up <laughs> that that slu that sludge. Yeah, yeah. So you're so you're talking about the blight from Calamity Ganon. The, yes, exactly. I'm saying is, was it ever always that kind of dark, or was it even darker in some ways? Oh, it's been significantly darker. Yeah, really? I mean the 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 darkness it can only go so dark relative to the art style, mm -hmm. and I and I mean that as like aesthetically in terms of the color palette, mm -hmm. like the darkest part of Skyward Sword is an underground chamber, but it's still just basically like walking into a Victoria's Secret. Like it's a lot of purple <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Uh, I'm being chased out really quickly. You know, you understand. You've been to that store a lot. I've never, I, I, I've been dating someone for like a, a for, for it's, we're on our uh, 14th month. I, we still haven't uh, gone happy, in there. Happy 14th month. Oh, thank you. So as far as how dark the series goes, um, uh, dark and light, are to are the the confluence of light world and dark world is a common theme throughout Zelda, and we talked about it aesthetically in the past, but it's also in the story about how, uh, say for instance, in A Link Between Worlds, mm -hmm. there is a almost a depend codependent relationship that low rule has with high rule. Mm -hmm. So there are there are dark worlds in a lot of the Zelda series. As for how the as for the darkest it's ever been, people are saying that. I hate to be, I always talk about stuff in the future. I always want to try to make sure to talk about as much as what's already out there. But people are saying that the sequel, The Breath of the Wild, is going to be the darkest yet. And with the trailer, with the music choice they mm -hmm. used, I'm, I'm inclined to believe it. Yeah, I tried to listen to yeah. some of those trailers. They're like, oh, if we play it backwards, or let's say something, I'm like, oh, yeah. there's nothing. Yeah. But in terms of what's out there, it's I'm caught between Majora's Mask and Twilight Princess. But I think I'm going to give it to Majora's Mask. Because in Majora's Mask, there are theories that Link is already dead in it anyways. Mm -hmm. And he's going through the stages of grief, which are represented by Each the four world. areas that he visits. Yeah. So let me ask you a question, and this might be jumping the gun on you know, first breath. But because when you play something like Breath of the Wild and you explore it, there's only so much exploring in terms of true geographical area. You can go on every little plateau, but... After you played Breath of the Wild, you're addicted, but you just can't keep doing the same things. What game do you jump from? Can you go backwards? I mean, because there's no jumping in past games, that's something I've tried to do with, um, what's the one where we were just talking about it? Uh, it's on the GameCube, I believe. Uh, and it's like a little cartoon, the one you're talking about. The cartoonish style and you're a little embarrassed. Oh, Wind Waker. Wind Waker, yeah. It's, it's pretty well rated, but going backwards, I'm like, this guy doesn't jump. He just rolls. Mm -hmm. So for context's sake, which other Zeldas have you tried since Breath of the Wild? I tried the one on Super Nintendo and, you know, kind of like the 2D, like top down. I think they just they're make, they made the remake for it on uh, the Switch. That would be a remake of a Game Boy game. Uh, Link's Awakening. There you go. Yeah. yeah, so I was... That one is also one of the darker ones, by the way. It's, it's a pretty hard game, to be honest, because I was playing it, and the puzzles in Breath of the Wild are always encouraging. Not encouraging always, but because there's so much physics and so much you can do, you just feel like after you go online or you do solve it yourself, you're like, wow, like, 
you know, you could really just get to this. Like, it's just like a Sudoku puzzle. You will get there. But with the old game, um, Game Boy or SNES, it felt like, I'm like, I just, I, there's no nothing to do. It's so mm-hmm. difficult. But I guess back in the day, there wasn't really online to look for. And that was kind of the pleasure of really banging your head against the wall until you got it. Yeah, I mean, there, and it gets harder the further back we go because people had to draw physical maps for the original Legend of Zelda. Yeah, yeah. And they almost had to treat it like work, where every time they would go to a new grid, yeah. they would have to bomb every single square. I don't remember if there was a shovel in the initial one, but if there was a shovel, they would have to shovel every square. So they had to make sure that they were being uh, as thorough as possible. I understand where your where your 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 conundrum is because Breath of the Wild is so three sixty. So, so it's three sixty and it's and it's very gameplay focused and it's not mm. very story focused. For me, one of my favorite parts about the Zelda series is the tone and the way they use story to justify the gameplay. But the storytelling is very emotional and is not afraid to show vulnerability mm. in the face of a lot of games where there's a lot of. Well, there's a lack of vulnerability. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, machismo, and and and, that, and that's all fine too. So for you, um, what they do with the Zelda series, it's not as obvious as what they do with the Mario series, where any game they make, they can just Mario it up. Mario's mm-hmm. a doctor now. Mario's playing tennis. <laughs> yeah. Mario's yeah. filling out his taxes. But with, they do do that with Zelda. So it is a matter of what gameplay style you're interested in next and whether or not Zelda has attempted that. Uh, Hyrule Warriors might be something worth looking into mm. because that one is basically a Warriors game, but mm. with a Zelda uh, yep, twist yep. on it. Um, Skyward Sword might be worth looking into because it is as stark a contrast as possible in terms of exploration. There isn't really any exploration. There's some, sorry, there is some. But for the most part, it's a guided journey and it engages the player on a more visceral gameplay related level Mm -hmm. because just traversing the environment to get to the dungeons feels about as challenging as a dungeon. And so it's, it's it's a great obstacle course throughout the entire thing. And the gameplay is much different too, just in terms of using the motion controls. Um, and then the, the, the other one that I would also say, too, is uh, Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. Because Ocarina of Time, and this is a longstanding argument that I've, that I've said to other people, too, is that Ocarina of Time is essentially the only one in the series that plays out like the same way point-and-click adventure games do. Because there's a lot of lateral thinking and a lot of puzzle solving in, involved where I have to look at the objects that I have and figure out how to solve a problem with them. It's not as obvious as running around an area and collecting a bunch of shiny objects. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of thinking very critically about what I need to do in order to advance. For instance, one character is angry and no one seems to get through to him. Mm -hmm. So Link figures out to play a happy song and he bursts into dance. And I'm saying this one because people have seen this dance Mm -hmm. all the time. And it's almost like the player is going to accidentally figure these things out. Like, what do I do? Do I, yeah, pull on yeah. my, do I try playing music for this person? And what that does is I think it, it, it enthralls the player more in the story because yeah, the, actions that, exactly, the actions that Link has to take mm-hmm. are more context-based. So that those is... are the ones that I think are a good place to go afterwards. For sure, and you're right. In Breath of the Wild, there are some puzzles, and um, you know, getting through all the shrines is really interesting. A lot of it has to do with physics and timing and such. But the only real puzzles or things that make you go, "Huh, how do I do that?" is those little seeds or whatever you call them. Little right. Forget their names. Korok seeds. Korok seeds. Yeah. So those can be a little, you know, confusing for a moment. But besides that, there's not that many puzzles, and there is something really enjoyable about solving something that you really racked your brain on it's like i love riddles so i really do enjoy solving puzzles but sometimes they get so difficult that i'm just like i drop the remote and i'm like i'm done with this game for a while I thought 
from Breath of the Wild that were um, really, yeah, there's like just no map and no real support in where you're supposed to go. I mean, after you get the glide thing, it just becomes like a big adventure. Mm -hmm. And I think pretty close to where you start, there's one of those Lynels. And they're just like, hey, do you think you're badass? Just come die here. And then you suck at the game, and then you go online and you check these people that can solve it or like finish the game in seven minutes or <laughs> defeat Ganon in like seven minutes. And then they control those things and just fly in the air. And you're like, these are gods. They're like gods among us while I'm just like barely shooting things with an arrow. So it's a really, really fun game that. I'm, I'm just, I'm so happy with how brutal that game was and how often I died, especially in the early levels. I thought, this is what I like yeah, about yeah, Zelda. Yeah, yeah. I love, I, I do, I enjoy getting uh, beat down in those games and trying yeah. to overcome that. Yeah. You got, you got to feel like, uh, like, like a tough guy after that. One question I was going to ask is, are you, have you played Master Mode and completed it or completed? For Breath of the Wild? Yeah. No. Because here's the thing. Um, I haven't admitted this on the show yet, but over the over the years mm -hmm. my 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 needs as a gamer have changed mm -hmm. like if you looked at the the layout of what i play mm -hmm. uh, zelda actually isn't that big of a of a chunk anymore uh, i play a lot of pvp focused games because my problem is that i i have a i have my my i have a very overactive imagination mm -hmm. so while it was easier for me when i was younger to really be sucked in into a single player story mm -hmm. it doesn't really work for me anymore i get too focused on mm -hmm. what happened to me that day i don't play games to take my mind off things I'd like to, but I, it doesn't work very well. So a lot of the games that I play are PvP based because when I have what to is fight a PvP player versus player. Oh, so right. two player okay. game. So Smash Brothers. Yeah, yeah, something uh, online. Something online, like real a, humans. Like a, yeah, with a strategy game or or for or, or a shooter, something that forces me to think about the the players that I'm going up against. That really helps me engage in the gameplay more, and it actually does help me take my mind off things, which is what games are movies and media are supposed to do so as far as um my my relationship with zelda mm -hmm. i mean one of the reasons why i'm doing this podcast is that i want to work on this series mm -hmm. and i want to uh, help contribute to the series and help other people uh, experience what i experienced mm -hmm. um, but gameplay wise breath of the wild didn't do too much that I hadn't played in other games too. I've done open mm -hmm. world stuff before and I've done Zelda stuff before. I mean, yeah, I've played Skyrim and Skyrim is amazing and people are just like, there'll ne never be anything like it, but Skyrim is just too much. Like I remember, I remember recently I was playing it. I'm like, okay, I just gotta beat it. And I killed the dragon and the dragon was like, see you later, I'll be back. And I was super pissed. I'm like, what? <laughs> I've been spending like 30 hours into this and this dragon just decided to come back later. and. Breath of the Wild, at least there's a finish, and of course everybody says like the final boss is the easiest thing ever, so... Yeah, it wasn't that. I don't remember it being very hard. I would suggest Master Mode if you ever have free time, because Master Mode is basically everything on, you know, like times 10, so they, they can heal themselves, they can throw things, they kill you so much easier, and I just try to play it like... I basically haven't played since last winter, because I got the Switch to kind of do during long uh, work flights or just during at home, so I haven't played it much. And then for this podcast, I'm like, let me just go, you mm -hmm. know, refresh my fingers. And like, I'm ashamed to, not ashamed to say, but I'm a little embarrassed to say, like, I spent a lot of the last like four days just playing a lot of it. And just, it's so easy to pick up. As soon as I picked it up, I'm like, I'm so lost. I don't know what to do within mm -hmm. 10 minutes. You have that muscle memory. It's something like, I don't know. I think the thing that maybe is not that interesting to you is exactly why I like it. And maybe. I think you're just much more advanced than a typical or like than a typical average person. Like I think I'm a little techie, but you're, you know, well into the area. So for me, Breath of the Wild was just so open and welcoming and there's no language you have to really talk about. There's not really you, you can just kind of go back and just shoot a lot of things mm -hmm. and then you'll eventually like score. Have you ever played uh, an MMORPG like EverQuest or World of Warcraft? No, I had friends that played WoW and those games, and I was just like, this looks like super addicting. And well, as some, I, 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 okay, so off topic, but whatever. Yeah. I got into World of Warcraft because they re-released the classic servers before mm -hmm. all of the expansions came out, mm -hmm. and they changed the game radically over 10 years. 
they re-released the original version of World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. And um, some of my friends got into it and they, we, we hadn't talked in a year. We had a, we had a small fallout, but they, were all, they all made characters on the Horde. And so I made a character on the Alliance and I was watching him because he's a streamer mm-hmm. and, I'm, and I'm trying to track him down so I can, uh, I can assassinate him. Mm-hmm. It, took me, it took me about two weeks before we had our, we had our duel. <laughs> And <laughs> oh so you, my you were stalking goodness. him basically. The term is stream sniping, <laughs> but yes. Was, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah, that. yeah, no, there was there was straight up. Then so here, so the, the so the final night, I had to reveal my plan because I was running out of time. It was too addictive, taking up too much time. But the night before, I was straight up stalking him. <laughs> I knew I knew what quest he was going to. I went to the quest location. I was trying to get ready to to to, to attack him. Uh, I loved it. But yes, it, it's exceedingly addictive. Um, the reason why I'm bringing this up is Breath of the Wild is a lot like an MMORPG. It has a lot of different modes mm-hmm. that the player can engage in. There's those high-octane combat. There is the calm and uh, um, soothing exploration. Mm-hmm. There is uh, riding around on the horse, which you don't quite get to explore very well, but it's mm-hmm. great for just moving around. There's the experimentation, there's cooking, and then there's the puzzles where a player is going to be stumped for some time because mm-hmm. there are the the shrines. There's 120 of them, and some of those puzzles are quite challenging. So I can spend, I can go in for an hour and spend an hour on the puzzle. So I appreciate the way, if I were to play that game five nights in a row, and for a while I was, don't get me wrong, I loved it. I don't want people to think mm-hmm. I didn't love it, but I've been playing games for a long time. Mm-hmm. So one night I would go into... A shrine and I would spend my hour or two figuring out the shrine mm. and then the next day I would just you know you know I just feel like fighting people so I would just yeah, go yeah, to a camp and I'd start bopping yeah. people on the head yeah. and like, you know I think I should advance the story or you know I think I'm gonna work on my gear a little bit mm. so I really appreciate the way that I can do a bunch of different things every time I, I enter into the game yeah, it's a bit like Sims. I always had a fascination with playing The Sims because you cook food and you develop your character a lot. And in Breath of the Wild, I mean, it's this is like such so embarrassing. But <laughs> sometimes my girlfriend would be like, "Hey, dinner's ready," and I'm on the Switch playing, and I'm like cooking apple meals in Breath of the Wild. Like I'm cooking some little whatever meal to extend my heart, and I'm like, "Yet yeah, hold on." <laughs> there's actual food on the table and <laughs> I'm creating little digital food. So that is one of the more, I'd say, embarrassing, but kind of signs that I really just am addicted to this game. I tried to make a baked apple. Like in real game. life? Yeah. I, actually, I did, I did it. I was obsessed with it for about a, uh, about a month. They're good. I, re- I would recommend I would recommend trying it out. It turns an apple into a warm meal. I was I was surprised with how much I liked it. The food does look pretty appealing in the game. One of the one of the philo- the design philosophies that I think makes Breath of the Wild work, and it doesn't work as, as well for MMORPGs because in an MMORPG the zones are restricted by level. So I can only go so far until I encounter enemies that are mm-hmm. programmed to beat me until I come back and I'm at a higher level. Mm-hmm. So there's gates there. But mm-hmm. with Breath of the Wild, there are some pretty dangerous enemies in some areas that could conceivably be mm-hmm. more dangerous than other areas. But for the most part, I can go anywhere I want. And so the way I, I describe it to people and tell me if you agree is that you can just go in a direction and the game will happen to you. I mean, of course, not just yes to that, but almost how, whatever direction you go, the game will almost transform for you. Because if you go to the desert in uh, one of the four corners, you'll have a very fun experience with, you know, you have to dress like a lady uh, when you're playing Link, and there's these weird camel whales that you have to ride. So there's its, its own little world or country, and then... You know, that's got the Arabian theme, so that's pretty fun. And then if you go to the mountains, it kind of reminds me of Lord of the Rings, but with these crazy creatures. So yeah, whichever direction you go, and even not just stay in one direction, but jump, because you can jump pretty much any location after a bit. It just lets you plug in and plug out. And, you know, you you talking about those online games like, wow, um, those sound super fun and super strategic, and you have to kind of but invest a lot of time. And also... 
stuff? You mean, can do you play Breath of the Wild on your Switch or do you play it on like a console? Like a well, I got it on the Wii U. You got it on I, the Wii yeah, U. Yeah, I got it before the Switch came. Well, the Switch came out at the same time, but I didn't have the Switch at that point. I just wanted to get it. I've never played Breath of the Wild docked. I think one time I tried it and my hands were a little confused. Like the portability of it and just clicking in. Because like sometimes you're just stressed and you just want to play and you just want to glide. Sometimes mm -hmm. I just jump really high and just glide off a mountain. And there's something, you know, I'm really into skydiving. I've only been once. But that reminds me of like the feeling of just being completely free. Mm -hmm. So not just plugging in, but yeah, where you go kind of defines your world and your transformation. So it's not that deep that, you know, you're building a whole personality or anything, but it is really how long would it take to explore that? Like literally walk across that whole platform? I'd say at least a good 10 hours, right? And not more. I, I, I know what you mean. And I think it, it also send, it shows just how well Nintendo understands what needs the players have these days because a lot of you and you, we, we have to commute. And, so, and, I, and I think about what it must be like in Japan where there is not quite as much space there as here in Canada mm -hmm. or, or even in the States. And so for them, the the thought of going to a park or going to somewhere where it, they are being surrounded by nature mm -hmm. maybe isn't as possible as it is here. I mean, I, I live near a park myself, mm -hmm. and they're quite a big one at that. There's a river running through the whole thing. They can't develop any land on it. So mm -hmm. by virtue of being a body of water, they're, either they cut out the river and our ability to function as a city or they leave it as, as is. So I, I'm lucky to be able to go and immerse myself in nature, but not everybody gets that, that opportunity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And no, it's not the same as actually being able to go to a park, but it's the next best thing mm -hmm. because the audio and the visuals, mm -hmm. that communicates with us on a more subconscious level and that helps calm the body down and that helps create uh, a de-stress in, in our system. Just the sounds of chirping birds and running water. Oh, yeah. they're, they're not built by the creator of our actual world mm -hmm. to calm us down. It just so happens to do that anyways. Absolutely. There's something similar. I got into this little game. I played on my phone called Stardew Valley. I'm sure you've heard I've, about I've it. Heard, I mean, I've heard have good things tried about it? it. I have seen people play it. Have I, you? Do you know what it's about? I, I do, yeah. It's, yeah. Well, it's Harvest Moon style. It's, exactly. It's just basically yeah, farm life. It's about this guy who basically got tired of the corporate world and starts his own farm. So I'd play it on my phone anytime I had like free time because I have some free time in between meetings or things like that or on travel. And there's something similar to Breath of the Wild or even just Link, I'd assume. There's a character you're trying to build, you're trying to make nice meals for, you're trying to plan the day a bit because there is sunset and sunrise in both. So it is also very calming. I mean, something about Stardew Valley is only focused on that calm farming life, and you get a bit of that from Breath of the Wild, even though you can be attacked at any time, or you do hear the water going, or you, you do get those beautiful views at certain points. You're just on a mountain, you see the sunrise in the game, and you're like, I don't know what time it is in real life, but in this game, I just, you know, I just grew another day because I was cooking all night or something. So yeah, you can get pretty immersed in that. what I'm wondering mm -hmm. um, and, 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 I, and I'd like to set this up um, when I'm on the job I have to ask the question first and then do the foundation afterwards because I'm on the clock but this is my show I, I choose to do it this way there you go. so somebody else had asked me how I felt that Breath of the Wild represented itself as a Zelda game and I told them Breath of the Wild is a is Zelda's take on an open world style game. Mm -hmm. They didn't invent open world game. They they clearly saw that this was something other people did and they did a Zelda spin on it. Mm -hmm. I told him that I think the game that represents the Zelda aesthetic the most is Ocarina of Time. Mm -hmm. And so if he's curious to know what it really feels like to play a Zelda game next, I would I, would, I recommend an Ocarina of Time to him. So my question mm -hmm. to you is, did you feel like you understood what Zelda was about in that series, and through Breath of, through playing Breath of the Wild? To be honest, I knew there was a big history, and I had some glimpses of it before the game. But 
even during the game, because everything is set in a hundred years in the past, and all you see is this kind of remnants of these monsters. So, no, I didn't get a very in-depth story. I mean, even during the stories, it would just be things like, on you know, they show you little characters on paper and say, oh, 100 years ago, we got destroyed. And I don't really connect to this story too much. It's just the gameplay. And um, that's something I think other games probably injected a lot more history or knowledge and you know like you said a lot of more vulnerability and this one you're just you, you don't care about anything you just woke up from some hundred year dream and you're getting flashes of a princess That's telling you stuff well because a link in that care in that game too there's some people who aren't happy to see him but for the most part he was a respected figure he was a, a royal knight okay and he was uh, uh, tasked with um, protecting Zelda, mm-hmm. and they don't just give that job to anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, you're he's he's the he's Secret Service for <laughs> uh, for for Hyrule for Hyrule Castle and for the king. So they didn't he, they had to get somebody who was good in order to look after the king wanted someone good to look after his daughter. Um, compare that to the first few minutes of Ocarina of Time. So here's what happens. First, it starts off with this nightmare sequence where the antagonist is on a horse and Link is defenseless and he's scared. And, he's, and, he, and, he, and it, goes to, it cuts to him in his little treehouse and he's still asleep, but he's shivering. And then the Deku tree, which is this guardian entity, which is a big tree with a mm-hmm. big face. Oh, I know. Okay, okay, you know, okay. So then the Deku tree summons him and within the span of about 30 minutes... I felt like I understood what Zelda was about because uh, Link is not a popular character in mm-hmm. in the Kokiri Forest. There's mm-hmm. other people who either are ambivalent towards him or who outright bully him because mm-hmm. he's different. He's he doesn't he, he's the only one that doesn't have a guardian spirit, also known as a fairy, to accompany mm-hmm. him. So you start playing the game when a fairy finally comes to him. So that is a lot to send to a player. Yep. in the first uh, 30 minutes and it and it's interesting too because me being a kid at the time it has a different resonance mm-hmm. at that time than it might have had as an adult because then as an adult I would be looking back on that mm-hmm. uh, on the difficulties that I face as a child rather than being going through them in that moment so there was a, a parallel between my life experience and the life experience of Link at that time do you think that was something you felt Personally, personally, or anybody that was kind of going through those years or those ages, because everybody has, you know, some, some, you know, range of difficulty. Do you think that the Zelda world really gave kind of kids a parallel universe or area to kind of, you know, feel some connection? Or do you think you personally, I mean, you do have a tattoo of it, so you obviously felt it more, but do you think that was something you shared with a lot of people? or I don't think I shared it with that many people, and I tried. I mean, I was very uh, excited about it when I would go to school and I would talk about it, but Mm -hmm. there was like one kid who understood why I liked it, but he had already kind of moved on. Mm -hmm. Um, For the most part, no, it was pretty much just me. And like, were these the ages where, because I don't know when these games came out specifically, but like, were they, you know, were your friends getting into like girls or other things? And you're like, no, let's look at the, you know, the Game Boy. <laughs> no, thankfully everybody was still, uh, was, were still nerds, but mm. there was... Just other more, nerdy stuff. Well, it was just, yeah, PlayStation 2 was more popular. PlayStation was more popular. Mm-hmm. Is there anything other than the, you know, Zelda franchise that you are also... You know, like, I should make a podcast about that. I really love that. Or No, Zelda is the only game series that I would want to have done a podcast for. Mm-hmm. Although there are other games that I would want to do other things for. Uh, I have a webcomic, giantenemycomic.com. And when I, was a, when I was a kid, another game I really got into was Diablo 2. Mm-hmm. I loved that game so much that I did a, a, a cartoon series about it on Newgrounds. And I mean, I'm playing Zelda at the same time too. Mm-hmm. So I have creative motivation, but for some reason, my creative motivation was drawn to Diablo and it wasn't mm-hmm. drawn to Zelda. Part of that is because Diablo 2, the Diablo series, because it's played online, there's a social element too. Mm-hmm. So I, it's, it's easier to associate the behavior of these other characters with players. Mm-hmm. And that to me makes f- for more 
comprehensible show or presentation mm-hmm. to show other people. Like here's all of these players getting together. These are all characters on the show together versus why would I do an animation series about a single player experience where yep. it's just me. Yeah, and Link doesn't say anything. Doesn't seem to say anything, not in Breath of the Wild. He, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's an RPG tradition. Um, yeah. a lot of a lot of RPGs were like that. You don't see that too much uh, these days, especially because there's a lot of Western RPGs, and Western RPGs take a lot of influence from film. Mm-hmm. So you have you got your Red Dead Redemption. You got your Red Dead. Well, I don't know if that's an RPG, but you play the. Well, I haven't the played it. I'd love to, but I haven't. I was thinking like Mass Effect, mm-hmm. and that that's an RPG. It's mm-hmm. obviously Western influenced. Um, but that one, the character is spe- not only speaking, but speaking a great deal. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember playing uh, Knights of the Old Republic. That one did not, the, play- the, the main character didn't have any speaking roles. The, the rule is they want the player to feel like they are embodying the character as much as possible. And making so, decisions for them yeah. by choosing this. So it's a risk for yeah. the character to have not only a voice, mm-hmm. which I might not necessarily relate to, mm-hmm. but to also have a point of view. Mm-hmm. It's, they can't just say, ro- they're not robots, they can't just say, yes, let's go, yes, I will do that. That would be hilarious, but they probably wouldn't do that. So for the character to have a point of view, what that does is that it markets that character to a certain kind of person. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask, in Breath of the Wild, there's a lot of little silly things you can do to kind of show your personality as well. Like, you can dress in different things. You can even get down to your underwear, and everybody will make a little comment about that. So there's a little bit of, um, I don't know what you want to call that, you know, a little fun, a little wit in Breath of the Wild. Did you see that in other games a lot, or was it just, you know, kind of glimpses of it in Breath of the Wild? It, have a lot of that's fun. a really good question you know i don't really think so i think Thank that you. the zelda series has led the way in letting the player interact with the world in a meaningful mm-hmm. way and it's been like that for a long time in uh, in ocarina of time for instance you know what actually i should say majora's mask it would be a better example so there are a bunch of masks in majora's mask and the player mm-hmm. can put on any mask they want and they can mm-hmm. talk to people and they can get a reaction out of them Mm-hmm. So I can get several reactions out of somebody just by putting on different masks. Right on. Yeah. So one interaction that I had that I thought was pretty funny was there's a couple of girls that are looking for, um, I think they're hardy mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And it... So the, this is Breath of the Wild? Breath of the Wild. Oh, okay, yeah. Just give me one second because I just want to think. I forget. I, I, I couldn't remember the names. They were, they were these mushrooms that they would find in the forest, and they kept finding these. Sorry, I kept finding these. I would go around the area and I would pick up a bunch and I would talk to them and says, man, we could really go for some of these hardy shrooms. And mm-hmm. so I would go into the item menu and I would hold five of them. Mm-hmm. I would talk to them again and says, man, we can really go for some of these hardy shrooms <laughs> while Link is holding these yeah, 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 with this yeah, look yeah. in his face of, why won't you acknowledge me? So I drop them on the ground and I do a spin attack and they both go, ah! Yeah, and they're scared, and that was my take on the situation because I do think it's a bit of a design oversight that the characters didn't respond to me holding on to these mushrooms, mm-hmm. even though that's like the exact thing that they were risking their life trying to find. Mm-hmm. So I did feel like that was an oversight, but my philosophy and the philosophy that I apply to my comics too is that everything that happens in games is what the game world intended to have happen Mm -hmm. so it's up to me as a player to justify the context Mm. i think they just wanted i don't know they just wanted to troll him or they are so absent-minded that they didn't realize that he's holding what they wanted you didn't watch them you know oh maybe you you gotta give them benefit of the doubt now tell me what was so i've been very obvious about my favorite things to do in breath of the wild which is just kind of like the freedom of it and jumping in and out was there any one activity you're like this is my favorite thing to do in this game i loved the divine beasts not a lot of people were a fan of them especially having yeah well the 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 main dungeons yeah so you'd have to go fill like you know go through them there were so many little things yeah that was really fun because they were like little shrines but just like seven in one or something like that I would describe them as one massive puzzle because mm-hmm. there was always some central design yeah. to them that had to be worked out. The elephant had to spray water. Mm-hmm. The bird would tip left and right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the cat, 
the camel was especially intricate. That was a very complicated puzzle. I can't mm. even remember how it, how it worked. There was something about these rotating. It's a piece of art. Cylinders. It is, and a lot of the people, a lot of people were not fans of the Divine Beasts because aesthetically the dungeons weren't that different from each other. It's not like mm-hmm. in other Zelda games where the fire dungeon is all yeah. fire and red, and the water dungeon is watery mm-hmm. and blue, and so on. So the Divine Beasts didn't have much in the way of aesthetic variety so that's a dock okay I'll, I'll agree to that and then there was also the fact that there's only four of them mm-hmm. and then there was that well, some technically there's a were... fifth if you get all 120 shrines you get the guy fight the the guy that's meditating in the shrine right you know the guy that's like here you've gotten the little shrine ball when you get 120 shrines you can fight him and his own i think there's a puzzle and then you get that motorcycle horse Oh, okay. For, for a second there, I thought, wait, wait, I think wait this was is, there a whole other Divine Beast? I think there's a DLC extension. So I don't know if you got the extension I didn't pack. I the DLC. You know, that's where I got it. That's where you can play Master Mode too. so. Oh, okay. Uh, that's, that's reasonable. Maybe I should host. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> I thought you were like, this guy, he's got to go. <laughs> what, what's the artwork that you have on your body? <laughs> nothing. I got nothing. I also enjoyed the the combat quite a bit too. It's not the most complicated the combat has ever been, um, but I what I would do is I would hold on to some of the weaker weapons and I would go to a camp with some of the weaker enemies mm-hmm. and I would just beat them with weapons that are comparable to their skill level. Mm-hmm. So it was a way of just enjoying the combat without having to sacrifice any of my good tools. Mm-hmm. So that part I enjoyed a lot. Yeah, for sure. It was something about getting those like really nice, you know, weapons, but knowing that they had a a finite life too. So every time you're smashing something, you're like, okay, that's one less hit. But I really like the sword, but why do I really like the sword if I can't use it? I'm just saving it for nothing. So there's something about that with even with the shields. And I just the other day, um, you know how you can get those masks that resemble the monster so they can get a little... Basically, like you get like the little goblin monster or whatever face mask, and then you just go into their camp and they just come and get interested in you because you're wearing their mask. It's just such a fun thing. I think you mean Bokoblin. Is that one of the monsters? Yeah, the Bokoblins. The Bokoblins, yeah. yeah. It's, I've been reading their names for you know the last two years. This is the first time I'm talking with somebody who can name them. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm not coming off as a genius right here. That's yeah, okay. <laughs> I just wanted to call you out on at least one thing. No worries. Well, I have one more question. Excellent. I kind of think it's maybe the question you were going to address at one point, which is, you know, what's the next breath, Breath of the Wild 2? We've seen that trailer. You know, do you want to tell people about that trailer so we can talk about it? I'm going to put a link to it in the in the comments, mm-hmm. just for, for the sake of it. Yeah. And I would say that you probably need to play through the first one. Because it's a direct continuation of what's going For on, sure. I would say so. For sure. I'm more saying, like, what are your predictions? Okay, so... And you would have a very, you know, you have a wealth of knowledge, so a lot of pressure on you right now. Not really, but, you know. Well, they're going underground, so I think that they're going to be a lot of underground discoveries. They might find dungeons underground. Mm-hmm. It is a very curious thing because I don't think players are going to be inclined to just go and re-explore everything all over again. You know, one thing that they can do is that it could actually be more of like an expansion than a direct sequel. Mm. So for those of you who don't know what an expansion is, say for instance, like, okay, well, Diablo 2 comes out and then they made an expansion pack for it called Lord of Destruction. You cannot play an expansion unless you have mm-hmm. the Sims did the same thing, yeah. So that's actually something that I think they could consider. I have to beat the story, and then I'm allowed access to the expansion, so then we can continue the story from there. So it is actually the same world that I've been in this entire time, but now some time has passed. Some of the towns are going to be a little bit bigger. Maybe they've started restoring Hyrule Castle Town a little bit. Mm-hmm. Zelda cut her hair. I mean, nothing is more important than that. Mm-mm. So now there's a chance for them to start unearthing some of these other secrets. Mm-hmm. So I, if, I, if I were designing it, I would strongly consider that 
over just releasing a brand new mm-hmm. uh, direct direct sequel. Now, from a from a game gameplay part of the way, I love it. But from a sales perspective, I couldn't see them doing that because then they would kind of put a barrier between people who are just buying the Switch for the first time and kind of want to get on the latest trend. In terms of maximizing sales, they would probably just be like, "You can buy this if you play the first one, but you can buy it on your own as well." Well, you know what they might do with this? They might just give you Breath of the Wild in there, anyways, just for the sake that, of it. That that is very smart and um, you have a discount on it. Hashtag Nintendo. Listen up. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I see. I see your point. I just think that it would be one thing if they were to release a completely different game aesthetically well i mean they did they did a a link's awakening which is a different game aesthetically but but the fact that this is a direct sequel to breath of the wild leads me to believe i think most people will Mm -hmm. strongly consider playing the first one i mean have you ever seen a sequel or played a sequel before you played the original i have a couple of times um i'm sure i have um probably like fallout Never played the first few, but the third and fourth, or no, the second and third I did. Um, but my question is not, you know, what's the story, but I feel like they're going to introduce something so brand new that it just kind of really revolutionized the already kind of new experience. Sure. Well, you know, the, there's also things that they can do to expand on the gameplay mechanics that they've already implemented. And I think a big one is the climbing. A lot of the climbing was just going up a wall yep. or a hill whereas because things are going to take place underground mm. there's a lot more of him climbing along ceilings maybe you'll have one of those things where they shoot and then you grab like you know or shoot a rope like james bond does like a grappling hook exactly yeah yeah that's possible too so i think there's going to be a lot the 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 zones will be smaller because it's, i think there's going to be a lot of underground stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i think that the climbing will have a lot more I think the climbing will be a lot more used mm-hmm. this time around, uh, which is not to say that Breath of the Wild didn't involve climbing. It did a lot, but it was the same kind of climbing. Okay, go up this wall, go up this hill. Yeah, yeah. Whereas now I think that it's going to have a much more direct impact on the puzzle solving and tra- and traversing. Because the Divine Beasts, you don't really climb all that much to solve any of the puzzles in the game. You just no. climb to get to where you're going. So if they can turn that into an active problem-solving mechanic, mm. that would be them being able to use what they've got without having to come up with like a completely brand new thing. I love it. I'm just trying to... Do, do we have an ETA on that for anybody listening to know when the Breath of the Wild 2 comes out? Uh, I don't, but um, when I go through and I edit these, I will make notes of data. stuff to put into the show notes. And so yeah. we'll, we'll, we can see what we can find out. Yeah. The only other thing I can think of that I would love... I mean, I've heard that you can play as Zelda this time, potentially, which would be interesting. The only other time I remember playing as a two-person or two-character is Resident Evil 4, where you had to control the president's daughter. Have you played that one? I did, but even that, you Barely didn't really her. Yeah, control just, her very much. Just to her, like, running Well, there was, uh, there was Resident Evil 5, where Chris and uh, Sheva are co-op, although you'd have to get another player in in order to play them at the same time. No, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the number four, which kind of is still the scariest game I've ever played. Have you played a scarier? Scarier than Resident Evil 4? Yeah, I'm sure, yeah. Uh, I would rec- I would say the... Oof, man, I just finished playing Resident Evil 2, the remake. Oh, yeah? Because my brother has an Xbox 360, and so I was playing it on his system. That game had some <laughs> excruciatingly terrifying moments. For everybody listening, he's just staring off into the distance when he said that. You can yeah, tell I was having a, a lot of, <laughs> of depth to that. I was having uh, flashbacks. <laughs> um, okay, so my, my last question to you is, in, in general... How does uh, gaming, it's not just Zelda, but how does gaming fit into your lifestyle? Because uh, y- y- your sales, and you said that you do some traveling. I'm not sure yeah. if you're doing a lot of traveling at the moment, but mm-hmm. just over the course of a week, how, where do you find the time to play? To be honest, um, I do find a lot of play, a time to play after work mostly. Um, and it's not for a long time. Gaming is just kind of like a little mental break from everything. Like you said, you have a very over-creative mind. I'm not that creative or that intelligent, I'd say, but I do have a lot of energy physically, and I like to be stimulated. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'm just hanging out watching a movie with my girlfriend, 
and I'll kind of be shocked about how easy other people can just be content listening to something. I need to be doing something with my hands. I need to kind of be um, just stimulated in, you know, in strategic ways as well. So for me, Breath of the Wild allows me to kind of plug in. Other games are fun, but you kind of have to get going a bit and get into the vibe again and know what you're doing or have a big plan. Like Stardew Valley, I really enjoy it, but Every time I turn it on, I'm like, I have no idea what I was doing for the last, like, three weeks uh, in-game. But Breath of the Wild, just every now and then, I just, you know, lay down, get the Switch, hold it up, and play for a bit. And I just feel a little more relaxed and refreshed. I didn't even know it was this meditative to me, but, yeah, I guess I really do enjoy it. Awesome. Uh, I'll throw to you if you had any parting thoughts or comments or questions. Uh, no, let's do this again with Breath of the Wild 2 when it comes out. Okay, you have my word. We'll, awesome. We'll do a post-mortem on Breath of the Wild 2. And you can buy me the DLC this time. Sounds good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, if you want me to... Um, if, well, I know that you wanted to keep your, uh, your, your work uh, uh, anonymous, so yeah. no, no pressure on that. But if you do want... Uh, people yeah. to reach out to you, maybe they want to sure. uh, chide you in uh, in my place, then... You can reach out. Okay. <laughs> no worries. All right. Uh, so for those of you, uh, thanks for listening and stick around for the housekeeping where I will follow up with you there. Cheers. Take care. Welcome to the housekeeping. Big thanks to Yazan for joining me for the episode and to VG Songbird for the moving rendition of Fairy Fountain, aka File Select. Links in the show notes, but if you can't get to the show notes, you can find her on Newgrounds.com. There are quite a few Zelda games that I haven't gotten to yet. The Oracles, Minish Cap, Spears Tracks, Four Swords, Triforce Heroes, the CDI ones. I certainly hope to get to them someday. So take it from a fan like me. If you only played one game in the series, or even just watched the Let's Plays, you're a fan, as long as you say so.